0: Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, and welcome to the Talking Comics Podcast. You're listening to episode number 360. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me this week are
1: Mr. Bob Ryer. Booty! <laughs> what? <laughs> You never watched Dave Garroway on the Today Show in the 1950s? Sorry. What did you say? Did you say Hootie? Vootie. V-O-O-T-I-E.
2: Vootie. Well, you never watched the Today Show in the 1950s, Steve?
0: <laughs> I totally thought we were going in a Hootie at the Blowfish no, booty. Oh, boy. Dave I thought you said Booty. My
3: whole world came
0: down. <laughs> uh, Joey Brachino is also here.
3: I, I, I had a whole thing planned, but I'm not going to do it now.
0: <laughs> and Melissa Megan is with us as well.
2: Hello.
0: Hi. Hi. All Hi. right. We've got a uh, we've got a podcast for you this week. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of comics because the January solicitations were released, or at least some of them, and uh, there's some good stuff. So we're going to talk about that. We have lightning rounds. Um, there's some comic book TV news going around. And uh, you're going to hear about some recent Netflix shows as well, because that's how we're doing it this week. Uh, let's jump right into the solicitation talk, because these some of these books are really exciting. Uh, Joey, do you want to kind of usher us into this? Okay. Uh,
3: which one do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about Marvel? Sure. All right.
0: Um,
3: Bob brought the Marvel solicits to our attention ahead of the show. Um, And, you know, we found it online. We're just scrolling through. And like Steve said, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff. You can find it online very easily. Um, Some highlights for me, some new number ones from Marvel this January. Um, Obviously, we talked a little bit on the show last week, but the Black Widow series from the Sasuke sisters, Friends of the Pod,
1: Coming out in January, and let me throw out right there quickly: they will hopefully, fingers crossed, everything still works the way we hope, will be on with us on November twenty-eighth to discuss where the Black Widow is going because the first issue takes place on New Year's Eve, and they'll have their Halloween special out in a couple of weeks too.
0: Breaking
3: How about that
0: news? Yep, awesome. Forget Thank
3: the that. solicits; that's the
1: biggest news of the week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this week's
1: podcast. <laughs> well, that's it. I'll
0: see
3: you on November. Wrapped
1: up now. That was big news. Um, <laughs> um, in addition
3: to Black ahead. Widow, obviously Captain Marvel number one, Kelly yeah. Thompson and Carmen Carnero, and
1: uh, look at all those covers. What yeah. co- I, I don't know. You got two of my favorite artists, and Alex Ross and Amanda Connor doing covers. I'm right. going to need both. Get the Amanda Connor one. Come on. I'm leading that direction. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Donny Cates yes. and Jeff
3: Shaw, which I yeah. did not know anything about. That's very exciting.
1: God, country team, y'all. Yeah,
3: dude, it's gonna be rad. Um, mm-hmm. What else do we have coming out?
1: Invaders coming out?
3: number one. Invaders by Chip number one by Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> I was saying before the show, like two, three years ago, Chip Zdarsky was like sex criminals and Howard the Duck,
1: and I was like, yeah, a cool guy, <laughs> jokester, and now he's writing the Invaders. <laughs> Right, the guy who was standing at conventions with a bullhorn doing uh, shtick with with Fraction. Yeah. <laughs> now, now he's writing like the the original book. Have mm-hmm. to have, yeah. Look, his Marvel two and one was great, and the Spider Man, the brother thing really worked so well. I can picture him in this. You know, uh, according to lists, you know, neighbor's doing some bad stuff, and so it's Ken, Cap, and, and Jim Hammond. Bring him back from the edge.
3: Yeah, you know, and I was also really excited. Bucky's in that book as well as The Winter Soldier. And I was very, very excited to see that there's a Winter Soldier book that I guess is coming out in December because issue two drops in January from Kyle mm-hmm. Higgins, which I didn't know was coming out, which is a surprise to me because I love Bucky. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, so I'm excited to see that. Um, there's also a new Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man book coming from Tom Taylor, which looks very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things from Jed McKay. Um, a Daredevil book called Man Without Fear miniseries, numbers 1-5 through coming out in January, and a first time in print, Daughters of the Dragon graphic novel, my assumption is that it started online Um, Daughters of the Dragon we'll probably talk about a little bit later when we talk about some Iron Fist news that (laughs) that dropped this week Um, and obviously this January too, a lot of X-Men stuff Um, Mm -hmm. The Uncanny X-Men, Uncanny X-Men Annual, which has a a lot of Cyclops on the cover there, um, and you all know how I feel about Scott Summers. Um, yeah. A new champion was right. Scott was right. Cyclops was right. A new champions from Jim Zub. Um, some more Fantastic Four. What Colin else? Colin bunn has got? got a new book. Colin
1: Surprise. Bun. I don't see it. Journey
0: into the Unknown Worlds number
1: one. Oh boy! It's well, it's Marvel's 80th anniversary early next year. So what they're doing is bring back uh anthology horror and science fiction there's a war book and mm-hmm. they'll have new stories and old ones there's this marvel tales marvel comics presents this sort of back marvel tales it's a fantastic you issue reprinting kirby and Byrne stories and it's got a jen bartell cover
3: yeah war is hell number one has howard chaykin and philip kennedy johnson on it which is yeah which is pretty crazy um howard chaykin's kind of you know Taken some turns in recent years uh, oh, yeah. in terms of what he's put out, but it's still a big name that they 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 snagged for that that book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited for the Uncanny X Men stuff. At this point, it's wild that you know by January we'll be up to numbers eight and 8, eight nine and ten because they're releasing wow. it pretty much every other every few weeks. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that X Men annual because the solicit just says. Cyclops exclamation point. <laughs> and yeah, that's you, all you need. You know I'm in for that. Um, a lot of Marvel 90th anniversary up. stuff.
0: Have you been keeping up with the um, termination?
3: Yeah. Arc? Hell yes I have, man. It's good, right? Yeah. I'm excited for X-Men this fall. I, like, Uncanny drops next month and, like, or is it later this month? I don't know, but Uncanny drops soon and I'm ready to just hop back on that train. It's been about two years since I've read X-Men regularly, but Kelly Thompson, Ed Brisson. I, I'm in, man. that that's a that's a team right there. So let's do Mm-mm. it. Um, and a lot of our favorite series are, are Keep on keeping on, man. Uh, West Coast Avengers, Ta-Nehisi Coates is Captain America. Um, what else we got?
0: I'm interested in this Conan on the Barbarian, number one, Jason Aaron and Mumad Arsar. like hi i'll buy you
3: (laughs) sounds very cool to me hi i'll buy you did you guys know this killmonger series was coming out no yeah Uh, apparently january drops number three so my guess is it comes out next month november
1: right Mm. that's very cool Uh, shuri Shuri comes out this week oh Oh. yeah (laughs) yeah no and forgot all about i know i probably sold the killmonger thing and just forgot all about
3: it yeah but shuri comes out this week, I'm, that's on my list of stuff for next week, um, and Doctor Strange hits four hundred,
0: <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Does image get included in these solicit?s I can't remember. I
1: don't know. Uh, there, there. Yeah, you've got to go looking on another website. But yes, I feel like I
0: things. never know when their stuff is coming out.
1: There, are, there was an image uh, solicits because I saw it because I, I wrote down for myself Man Eaters number five because we got to have mm-hmm. that. And the new Kieran Gill and Laura Braga die, number two.
3: Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about on the Marvel solicits, though, is um, this thing Wolverine the Long Night adaptation, number one, drops from Benjamin Percy and Marcio Takara. So, for those of you that don't know what The Long Night is, it's actually Marvel's podcast of a Wolverine story. Um, it's, I, I listened to the six episodes that have been released so far this past week, and it's actually really, really cool. Um, Richard Armitage plays Wolverine, and then they have, like, a bunch of other actors playing all these different characters. It's basically, like, this Alaska story with, like, you know, classic Wolverine, like there's some dead bodies that are found with like claw marks on them. And everyone's like, Oh, this drifter came to town and he's got claws. It must be Wolverine, you know? And it's like, it's like that kind of like, and it's Alaska, the end of the world. What's the hard entry point for Wolverine, you know? So like, and, but hearing it has been so cool and I'm really excited to see, um, to see if the adaptation, how the adaptation, um, uh, takes that kind of, like listening soundscape and turns it into something visual. And I think Marcio Takara will, will do some cool stuff with it. But I think it's really cool that they're doing the adaptation. It's, it sounds like a really, really cool story. Yeah. Um, and if you you know like podcasts, obviously you do because you're listening to us. Um, Marvel Longest or Night no. is –
0: It can only go up from here.
3: <laughs> really, really cool and worth, uh, worth checking out.
1: Yeah, love Marcio Takara. So I don't know Benjamin Percy very much. Where is he <laughs> uh, normally?
3: Ben Percy did something
0: that we talked about on the show one time that was really cool. Hold on, let me look it up. Joey, I have two questions for you about the Wolverine podcast. Yeah, I'm listening. They're very important. Um, does he say "Bub" a lot? He has said "Bub" a few times,
3: <laughs> and okay. uh, it, it's it's been hilarious um, both times. <laughs> Um, and of course, like he talks like he talks very sparingly throughout the show. But when he does, he's like, "Bub, hey, <laughs> don't don't talk to me, man. Yeah, And he's like, whoa, <laughs> that's sound like, that's over-ead. that's how he that's how he comes on the air. Like you just hear. <sighs> really? That sounds terrible. That's sinus problem. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like he's growling. He's like. I didn't kill those girls. <laughs> you know, like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. But, like, you know, it's like that, like, like all nasal, growly voice. Um, okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Benjamin Percy was doing the, the Green Arrow uh, rebirth oh, stuff. Oh, Yeah, which we okay. talked about a lot on the show, which was yeah. really rad. Um,
0: uh, wait, question two. Yeah, question two. How sweet is the snicked sound when his blade he comes out? Is it he good? hasn't
3: popped the claws yet, man. You got to wait for that, man. You got to wait. wait.
0: Hold on. You made it through six episodes Mm -hmm. of that podcast and he hasn't popped his claws yet? The
3: best Wolverine stories are one of two. Don't give me this. Right? So the best Wolverine stories are are one of two stories. One, where he's like, you know, popping claws and just slaying everybody all the time. Or two, and in my opinion, the better Wolverine stories are the ones where Wolverine is like a mythic secondary character in the story and people are just
1: talking about Mm -hmm. him. Right, right. It, it's it's Eastwood in those Man with No Name movies. It's everybody else, and he just wanders through, yeah. and the action centers on him. He doesn't actually do anything. So for the a while. main yeah, story
3: in The Longest Night is these two FBI agents show up in Alaska to investigate these murders, and their lead suspect is Logan, and they have to like find him, and like they're piecing together this whole thing. So it, it's like this like crime like noir story up in Alaska with these detectives and they're trying to find Logan. And in my opinion, those are the best Wolverine stories because Wolverine's been done, man. Like unless he's in Japan, you ain't going to do nothing new with Wolverine, (laughs) you know? Like, so, so I love those stories where he's like the secondary character and longest night is that. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the comic book
0: takes that too. I don't know about this, Melissa. This, uh, sounds suspect to me.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I just wanted
0: to hear your voice. I felt bad okay. that you haven't been with us in a few minutes. Um,
2: <laughs> it's okay. I'm
3: here. A lot of Star um, Wars stuff coming out this, uh, this uh, January for Marvel, too. A lot of um, Age of the Republic stuff that we have lovely listeners that read all the Star Wars stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to see if there's anything else on here worth talking about. No.
0: Nope. <laughs>
3: All right, color your own Captain Marvel.
0: Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. All right. On um, image. I mean, uh, oh, you have uh, it.
1: Yeah. What you're gonna do is Google search. Uh, Criminal Ed Brubaker. Nice. We got Oliver, whatever Oliver is, by. Whoop, got a big thing on the screen here, Gary Whitta and Derek Robertson, award-winning screenwriter Gary Whitta wrote one a Star Wars story. Teams with celebrated artist Derek Robertson for a new take on a literary classic. With a futuristic futuristic twist, Oliver reimagines Charles Dickens' most famous orphan as a post-apocalyptic superhero. Nice. (laughs) Sure. Why not? Gunning for Hits, uh, which I saw at the image panel, is Jeff Roggevee and Moritat, set in the music scene in the 80s uh jeff rogby was apparently a big time music producer who now became a comic book writer so there you go so he's certainly doing what he wants to do he produced david bowie for instance uh coyotes volume two trade paperback nice we've got hey kids comics moonstruck this is all trade paperbacks. where are the books can I tell you what DC's got? Are you? Are you sorry. Go ahead. Are, no, no. Go ahead. No. Yeah, and I'll I'll catch back up. I, when I find to what talk, I'm trying. This to is look.
3: crazy. Young Sub Bendis stuff here. Young Justice number one drops in January. Get ready. Um, this book called Naomi, with David F. Walker and Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Jamal Campbell, comes out. Mm-hmm. This is set in the DC verse. The other history of the DC universe number one by John Academy Ridley. Award-winning screenwriter John Ridley of 12 Years a Slave. What? How did these stack that? That's crazy. Um, crazy. Uh, Mysteries of Love in Space. With Get ready for this uh, hit list of writers on this. James Tynan IV, Saladin Ahmed, Cecilia Castellucci, Kyle Higgins, and Jeff Loveness all writing this, this one-shot, Mysteries of Love in Space. Um, A 100-page Superman spectacular by Marv Wolfman. And Bendis is still kicking it on Action Comics, too, man. Crazy stuff in January. I like when the new year brings
1: all the new stuff. Aquaman number
3: 44, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick.
1: That's a big Mera story, too, for those people wondering what happened to Mera. She's back.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Batgirl number 30 by Magreed Scott.
1: Batgirl. Barbara, just as she did way back when in the 70s, is running for Congress.
3: (laughs) Wait, they got Frank Miller to do a variant cover for Batman. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Oh, man. Oh, this is exciting. Oh, I'm excited about comics again. Woo!
0: It never stops. Um, Do we want to keep... uh, What else do we have to go through with these before we can get to some comics? Some other comics.
1: That's really about it. DC in January, you got three G. Willow Wilson Wonder Woman, 61, 2, and 3. Steve Orlando's Martian Manhunter issue 2, which sounds really amazing. And Doomsday Clock! Oh, I was just going to
3: say, guess which number of Doomsday Clock we're up to a year and a half later? (laughs) Um... I didn't write it down, actually.
0: What number is it
3: number How many
0: are there supposed to be?
3: Eight? There's. We're up to number nine in January. Nine? Wow. There's I supposed to be number. 12.
0: Yeah. Whoa.
3: It's not going to be done till next June.
1: If we're lucky. If we're lucky. All right. Ooh, Wicked and Divine number 41 comes out in January. Oh, boy. And then we only got a couple more after that, man. Yeah. Otherwise, that's about it. We'll have more later. It's going to be a big year.
3: I feel it. 2019 in comics. Get ready.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, enough about comics of the future. Let's talk about the comics of today. Oh, good segue. Hey, yeah, Bob. Would you oh. care to? Uh, sure. Grace us with a lightning round. Okay. I am going to put five minutes on the clock for you, as I do every week, and
1: go. Leading off is Catwoman number four by Joelle Jones, which also features art by Fernando Blanco on some flashback sequences that play a big part in fleshing out Selena's past, particularly in relation to her sister Maggie. It was first introduced back in Mindy Newell's miniseries in 1989, but really helps this story along. The backstory told here, both familiar and new, and it is also Very touching, and then it ends in this really twisted cliffhanger, just because. Ms. Marvel 35, G. Willow Wilson, Nico Leone, and Ian Herring is the finale of The Ratio, a story that began with the re-teaming of Kamala and Bruno, as he attempts to find out how Ms. Marvel's powers work, and ends with, well, that would be telling, wouldn't it? Along the way, some wonderful guest appearances, the villainous shocker, And one of my most missed characters, Singularity, from the old A-Force days. And as nearly every issue has been just absolutely, simply perfect. And, by the way, our best wishes to Ms. Wilson for a speedy recovery. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl 37. Brian North, Derek Charm, Rico Renzi, and Travis Lanham goes on a bit of a Tom Sawyer trip in this story called The Death of the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl as... I'll let Ryan North's footnotes tell you. That's right, Squirrel Girl isn't actually dead. Sorry for toying with your emotions for four pages, but come on, Unbeatable is right there in her name. If we called the series the very beatable Squirrel Girl who dies in issue 37, then it'd be a different story. A different story with one heck of an intriguing title. There was a triple scoop of Gail Simone this week. First, for any of you who are fans of the characters or Ms. Simone's work in general... I urge you to pick up Red Sonia Tarzan when the trade comes out. This issue five again shows her grasp of what makes Sonja and Lord Greystoke iconic, and tying them together through the machinations of a villain who can bend the eras together brought the story to some fabulous locales, creating wondrous moments. There's one here that's one of the greatest Tarzan moments of all time, and I've watched every one of those movies, including the really, really rotten ones. Plastic Man number five with art by Adriana Mello and Kelly Fitzpatrick, wherein the worm, or should I say the eel, turns. Slowly but surely over the first five issues of this six-part mini, crumbum eel O'Brien has been finding his humanity through his transformation into a superhuman. There are some fabulous plot twists here as well as some little heart. That you're not expecting, considering where this is going. All together, though, great little ride. Speaking of taking a ride, in Domino Number Seven, Nina and her posse take a retrieval and disposal gig from a mysterious young Wakandan lady. And takes them to Norway and straight into the heart of a weird forest, inherited by some very strange creatures, some of vampiric tendencies. Look, I've said it before, but it bears repeating: Domino by Gail Simore and David. The uh, has quickly become a book that I eagerly anticipate every month, and considering I had no interest in Domino whatsoever until you know the six issues ago, that's a heck of a jump on my part. Steve, do I have any time left whatsoever? You
0: have exactly a minute and twenty six seconds.
1: Okay, Wonder Woman fifty six, which is witching hour number two. Uh, it's James Cine IV, Emmanuel Lupacino, Romulo Fajardo Jr. Uh, in Wonder Woman Justice League Dark, the witching R number one, we saw how the witch goddess Hecate had marked young Princess Diana as the first step in a long-range plan to destroy the world of magic and replace it with one of her own creation. With the regular Justice League out of the loop by Hecate's enchantments, Diana has turned to Zatanna and her compatriots, Man Bat, Swamp Thing, John Constantine, and Detective Chimp to stem the tide, but they failed and quickly. Seeking to bolster their chances, Diana reaches out to an old adversary, Cersei, who has a surprising reaction in more ways than one. Uh, Mr. Tynan and Emmanuel Lupicino do a great job in blending in the backstory needed to make this guy who knows nothing understand and make the danger resonate. Uh, Lots of forward story momentum opens up some other new possibilities as well. I found this completely engrossing, and thank you, Steve, for getting me to jump on board. Awesome. Yay. Oh, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely. Digging it in. and there's another part this week.
0: Sweet. Uh so it. look at that. You did. I have three words for you. Okay. You can feel free to take them and use them as you please. Instead of the Gail Simone corner, the Gail Simone
1: Zone. I like Ooh. that. There you go.
0: Yeah. You can have
1: that one I, for free. I, I, I have to say I didn't use corner this week because I was bored with it. So yes, okay, the Gail Simone, or just Simone the Simone zone. zone. The <laughs> do, 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 do All right. Oh, by the way, but on that uh notion before I forget, Melissa. Yes. I was so thrilled when I was listening to your thirty one days of horror over there on the Sirens of Scream to hear you talk up clean room to your To your fellow (laughs)
3: sirens.
1: That is one of our favorite books around here. That is just a twisted piece of work.
3: Book messed me up, man. I
2: love it. Yeah, they haven't read it yet, but we'll get to it.
0: Melissa, would you like to uh to do a lightning round? Sure. All right. Um I'm just gonna put five minutes on the clock and you can use as many of them as you like. All right. All right, go.
2: So, uh, yeah, I haven't read a lot of comics this past week. That's not true. I read comics, but some of them I I was a little disappointed in. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided rather than talk about books that I wasn't really excited for, um, I went on a search to find some other things. And I remembered uh, this little online free comic place called Webtoon. And I know I talked to you guys about it a while back, probably like last year. Um, but I kind of wanted to revisit that. And um, both of the books I'm going to talk about are both from Webtoons. So they're free and they're online, and you can read them right now. Um, the first one is called Dense, which I believe is what I talked about last year, but I'm going to talk about it again because they just came back from a big hiatus. They were gone between December 2017 and September of this year. Uh, so now it's continued. Um, Dense is written by Beth Bears and Mike. Matt Doyle and it's art by Sid Codian, and letters by my friend Taylor Esposito Um, so uh, yeah now that it's back and I kind of I think with uh, issue number 55 or episodes sorry they call them episodes on webtoons um, episode number 55 I've been reminded of how much I really like this story Um, I'm just going to read you guys the premise so we can remember what it's about dense is an apocalyptic journey to the year 2111, where more than half the world's population has been wiped out by an ancient plague. After a vaccination is developed, there's a massive increase in the birth of identical twins, possessing extraordinary powers known in society as Dents. Following an incident at school, Eleanor learns that she herself is a Dent separated from her twin at birth, and she's quickly swept into an underground society of Dents trying to survive. Mm -hmm. I love the art in this one, but the story is really the standout for me. Uh, it's got layers, multiple characters building different relationships, political unrest, um, kind of on top of topics like racism and personal trauma. Uh, this story has a lot of heart and so much struggle, but you want to see every character win somehow because they all feel like they need something good to happen to them. <laughs> um, but it's a really great story and well worth checking out, and that's called Dense. Uh, the second one is a new one that I just started. Um, I'm not totally sure I'm saying this right. I'm going to say Imperia. It's spelled E-M-P-Y-R-E-A, and it's by someone who just goes by the name O-Kates. Like, Mm -hmm. O-Kate. So the premise is, for centuries, twelve guardians and the knights who serve them have protected mankind from fearsome charis, ancient creatures with a thirst for souls. However, a series of sudden and brutal attacks threatens the fragile peace between realms. Now Hawk, a knight who bows bef- who bows before no one, and Kira, a young inventor, find themselves in the eye of the storm and will have to rely on each other to navigate through courts of intrigue and deceit. This is really beautiful, really gorgeous artwork. Like, it's super pretty. It's very dreamy and soft. Um, all the people are un- undeniably attractive and smooth <laughs> <laughs> um, in a sort of, like, anime-style way, but without the hard lines and weird dialogue. Uh, only a few, I'm like three or four episodes in, but it's been really fun so far. It's like a fairy tale in some space age new world. Um, the, you know, and, and um, kind of got this cool, like almost steampunk thing going on. Um, I think it's, it, I mean, it's really, it's a really cool story. It's a romance, monsters, futuristic inventions, robots. Um, it's a really cool, like just totally unique kind of universe um it when i first started reading it it reminded me a little bit of like a jonathan luna story i guess i should say luna brothers story Um, but yeah it just um it's a yeah it's a weird mash if you can like a mashup between like luna brothers and like an anime wow it's got you know it's got that like where it's obvious that like they're building romances and these characters are like unrealistically attractive. <laughs> yes. Um, but the artwork is absolutely stunning and it's it's really really worth taking a look at. So, yeah. That's what I've been reading and I spent the whole day at work reading in between <laughs> clients cuz I've been too busy to squeeze in very much in the past couple of days.
1: Did someone get a Jonathan Luna or anime haircut? <laughs> That's what I'd like to see.
2: Um, spiky
1: things, you know, like
2: no, but I did sort of inadvertently my first day back to work after New York Comic Con, gave someone a uh, Captain Marvel haircut. Uh, <laughs> the, the mohawk. Hawk. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I did. Uh, yeah. I started. We were just like kind of creating this haircut, and by the time I was finished, I was like, mm, I think I just made Captain Marvel. <laughs> nice. But that happens when I come back from the con.
1: <laughs> were they happy with it?
2: Yeah, of course. Who is it? Go.
0: <laughs> She's a professional
2: everybody's happy with what I do.
0: <laughs> I would like to know what happened to the Lunar Brothers. Because I see Jonathan Luna doing stuff, but we never hear from the other one. They're I'm starting to wonder.
1: Them. Were, were there no
0: ever stuff? two of them? I'm wondering if there was like an Oasis style uh, split. <laughs> and whatever like a VH1 behind them. the comics, <laughs> the Lunar Brothers story. Um, I could be completely wrong. Uh, I just we haven't heard like from the duo, the dynamic duo in quite a number of years, I would say. I'm going to look it up. You should. You're creating drama on the podcast. <laughs> I'm not creating. <laughs> go, please. Nobody is taking me seriously right now. I am. <laughs> I never do. But now I am. I mean, no harm. You know how much I like the Leonard brothers. Just making jokes.
2: That's uh, why you made me host
0: of the podcast.
2: The thing Bob works for talking comics and not another publication that likes gossip.
0: Oh, I know who you're talking about. That one? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I wouldn't solicitors. click on their website for the solicits earlier. That's why I didn't have them in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Joey, are you still looking stuff up? Should I should I take away Oh, around? I don't know. This is getting a little I'm in the weeds now. Oh,
3: what, what do you find out? Let's find out. No, I'm, just, I'm looking up, updates. I'm looking up Jonathan Luna here. And it Uh-oh. says latest releases 2013.
0: Jonathan? No, Jonathan Luna did um stuff with Sarah Vaughn. I,
2: I feel like we just talked about something he did recently. I thought so. Wasn't yeah. that story with the uh, the two the um Empire. warriors? Yeah, yeah,
3: the Empire book.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't know. Things Where's the look- on comic vine? Things are looking uh, uh,
2: a little uh little
1: sketchy over here. Do the comic database or comic vine see what his last little thingy is maybe? He was never here at all. He got wished into the cornfield by his brother like in a twilight zone episode. Oh boy. <laughs> all right.
0: Um uh, Joey, are you still in the weeds? You
2: want yeah, to no, we, we can go. We
3: can go. I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just uh, playing into the conspiracy theories here. Just, just, just By the way, drama <laughs> on the podcast.
2: Joshua Luna is the other Luna brother. Yes, ah, John and Josh.
1: Gosh, yes. He became Joshua Williamson, I think. <laughs> All right, now All we're
3: right. just getting. Now it's getting a little trippy in here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> conspiracy theories turn into the uh, 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 <laughs> what's that stupid show with what's his face? Um, Ventura. No,
1: Alex Jones. Right. What is his oh, info wars. wars. Right. Comics have, wars. You, have you ever seen Joshua Luna and Joshua Williamson in the same room together? I, I bet know not. Things
2: are getting crazy in here. Yeah, we need to
3: We need to nip this in the bud. Yeah.
0: Why, why is he always carrying a phone booth with him everywhere you go? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joey, I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for you, and you'll have to peel yourself away from the uh, the Please. web of lies. <laughs> <All right. laughs> All right, you have five minutes. Go.
3: All right, my... My heroes have always been junkies, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, colors by Sean's son, Jacob Phillips, who isn't Betty Breitweiser. And it shows because this is a (laughs) very different looking book than the previous Brubaker Phillips Breitweiser joints like Fatal and Killer Be Killed. And that starts with the cover, which is this very vibrant blue and purple and yellow that I just haven't seen in Brubaker Phillips books before. And it got me super hyped. Anyway, here we are with the first original graphic novel in the Criminal universe. For fans of the pod, I've mentioned Criminal before, and I know, Steve, you have as well. Mm -hmm. Criminal was this hard-boiled neo-noir crime serial that Brubaker and Phillips wrote between 2009 and 2011 with some one-shots and follow-ups going up all the way to 2016. All of these were collected together into some epic, epic volumes that are totally worth picking up and we've talked about on the show. Um, Frankly, to me, Criminal is what put Brubaker and Phillips on the map. Yeah, Brubaker was doing Cap and X-Men and I read both and I loved both. But if you look at where the team is now, you can draw a straight line right back to Criminal at Marvel Icon at the time and later Image. Um, Now, here with Image, we've got My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies, which is very much a callback to the moral depravity and seedy underbelly that the original series did so well. But also captures the complexity and nuance that Baker and Phillips have evolved into over the last 10 years. Uh, My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies tells the story of Angela, a character who actually goes all the way back to the very first story arc of Criminal. She was Angie then, the young girl who was kidnapped by some criminals in that volume as collateral to make that protagonist, Leo, play ball with their activities. Um, Here, and now grown-up Angela finds herself in rehab, rolling her eyes at all the nonsense, hoo-ha, that she has to put up with, with these counselors and phonies going through these sessions. She catches the eye of another young patient, Skip. They fall in love. Then we embark on a pseudo-Bonnie and Clyde, pseudo-natural-born killers, drug-induced escape out to suburbia. Sprinkled throughout are flashbacks in that classic Bruebecker narration through the eyes of Angela. And all may not be as it seems for the young couple. Full of twists and turns, not... um. Uh, and brutal, brutal, brutal humanity. My heroes have always been junkies. Is quintessential Brubaker and Phillips, which means that it is simply put one of the absolute best pieces of storytelling on the stands right now. You have to pick this up. Ba-dao! Girl Town by Carolyn Nowak. Girl Town collects five stories by the acclaimed creator Carolyn Nowak, four of which were previously published between 2015 and 2017, and one previously unreleased. IDW and Top Shelf have assembled this all together. Um, I'll read this from the foreword uh, written by cartoonist Carta Monier. She says, looking back through these comics, um, Carolyn's work is all about women who are looking for connection, validation, and fulfillment, women who are painfully jealous and full of more feelings than they know what to do with, women whose friendships with other women are their lifeline, women like us. Um, And I couldn't agree more. From the whimsical sci-fi of a robotic escort boyfriend to a slice-of-life story of one-upmanship between neighbors, Noak's stories breathe life and joy and sorrow and spirit. The centerpiece of the collection is the aforementioned story about the woman who, after breaking up with her celebrity boyfriend, buys a robot escort boyfriend, Alex and Ada style, speaking of the Luna Brothers, She also has an electric tongue. Pretty crazy. It's a thing. Um, There's also a story about fandom that's told through two voices recording a podcast. And then the imagery is of media posts, YouTube and, and memes and things like that. Generally, the most impressive part of this collection, beyond Noack's distinct and engaging voice, is the versatility of her art style. With just her name on the cover, I feel like the five stories included are unique in their visual aesthetic in a way that very few artists can do. Um, and Girl Town was a surprise for me, and it's definitely worth a look. Um, and the last book I'll talk about very quickly is Crowded number 3 from Chris oh. Sabella and Rose Stein with Ted Brandt and Triona Farrell. Um, Don't give away too much. Um, I'm not I going to. About it. I just wanted to bring this buddy up again because I'm really having a lot of fun with it. This is she introduces mm-hmm. some new assassins and introduces the dystopian vision of public libraries which have wow, in this future of intense appification and interwebbing have basically become like halfway houses and homeless shelters which is crazy. It's bizarre. <laughs> I'm into it. It's such a weird concept and it's so much fun and damn it if Roe Stein, Ted Brand, and Triona Farrell don't draw a really awesome comic this is definitely worth checking out if you haven't yet.
1: And that's my lightning round. <laughs> Quick question. Quick question. That was an awesome round with great sound effects, Joey. Yeah. Crowded on... <scor brassSoats> oh. Just wanted you to know how close you were. Crowded ongoing or mini? I forget.
3: Crowded is an ongoing.
1: Nice. But that's not...
3: What you need to pick up, Bob, is my heroes have always been junkies. Okay? Like, that book is so good.
0: Uh, Also, crowded has already was optioned for the big screen before it even came out. Oh, I'm not surprised. By Rebel Wilson and her uh, production.
3: Oh, that would be incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's very that's very cool. That was actually, in, in a in a clever move. Like that was what alerted me to the book. Like I had already seen it in Solicits, and I was like, oh, that looks neat. And then found out that they were already optioning it for a film, and I was like, "Oh well, now I'm doubly interested." Yeah. And then it came out, and it's fantastic. You know, yeah. at, about it's Ro right Stein. up there with Weatherman. Like yeah. those two books are on equal ground for me; they're both really good. Rose
3: Stein and Triona Farrell's artwork together with Ted Brandt's you know, inking as well. But the three of them together, what they put together, I, this past issue in particular, I got so many like Joel Jones vibes. From from crowded number three, like mm. I was really feeling that it's a different energy to it, definitely. But it has that kind of like like that those thick inks, those really like vibrant colors to it, that kind of pulpy feel. I was also I'm, the, I'm really feeling I, crowded.
1: I didn't read the third one yet because I I sad to say I went for the trade weight and so now I'm feeling bad. But no, I hey, may have fine. to change change my thing about it. But the first time you saw the house. Mm-hmm. And you had the the layout of everything, and sort of this cutaway view of it. I definitely had the feel of the way Joel Jones gives you the geography. When you saw in Lady Killer, you could see, you knew the house. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you knew Josie's house, and you knew exactly where you were headed. And again, I think when they did the the image uh solicits the expo whatever crowded was way up on our list and it is definitely the first two issues j- just slayed me no i like uh
0: <laughs> i like that like the first one came out and it was so good and then the second one dropped and i'm like all right let's like make sure this isn't a flash in the pan and then it opens with that panel of wrecking ball mm-hmm. of them all singing in the car going to the yeah. job and i was just i was like okay <laughs> okay yeah. no, no this you is for
3: real that's fun I-, I really enjoyed it um Melissa, I know you read My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies too. I did. What'd you think? Um,
2: I I really enjoyed it. Um, you're gonna hate me for saying this, but I don't usually get into the whole like Brubaker noir thing. Hey, it's it's, um, it's an
3: acquired taste.
2: Yeah, I've tried a few times. It's just a little heavy, like heavy-handed for me sometimes. But uh, but I like this one. This was really cool. I it felt a little bit like strangely supernatural like something was like there was something I don't know there was something like it was supposed to be this kind of like you know very realistic life lesson kind of story it feels like but the the weird like kind of flashing of colors there's yeah. some really amazing weird color things going on here that made it feel like you were almost like coming in and out of dream states and like strange moments mm-hmm. that I wasn't sure if they were really happening or not right I think um,
1: the, the
3: use of memory in here is really important too. Like, yeah, I, and I think that um, Jacob Phillips' colors on it are so different from Betty Brightweiser's. Like, I, I totally feel you yeah, on like Fatal and like Killer Be Killed. Like, not only does reading the art, not only is reading those books heavy, just like content wise, but like looking at those books is heavy. Yeah, like, it is like weighty on the page, and Jacob Phillips' colors. It, there's a there's a lightness to it, you know mm-hmm. he's using like pinks and yellows and he does this kind of like like old newsprint kind of thing where like like pop art where it's like he'll he'll color the face like thick on the edges with like whatever color and then the inside'll almost be like a white or like something like. Very light. It's very, very kind of ethereal in how it, it feels. It
2: feels very like California. Yeah. Like yeah. everything felt very like, oh, now I'm in a dark, like, in, even when they're inside, you know, it just feels like you're in like th- the sun is really bright and then it's like nighttime in California, but it, it almost has this weird, like, I don't know, this feeling of like kind of some heat and yeah. some like humidity to it. Yeah,
3: I like I knew I was in for something different when the book opens and like Angela is like standing on the beach, you know, and I was like, oh, we are not under an overpass here shooting a guy in the head. Like that is <laughs> I had no happening.
2: idea who these characters were going into this. So, oh, yeah, I'm, I didn't have any history on this at all. I just kind of randomly decided to open it up and read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, But it is an interesting story and a, and a very a very strange story kind of reading about this. You know, she seems like a teenager to me. Maybe she's older than that, but. Um this this girl's kind of weird obsession with yeah. junkies. Yeah. Celebrity junkies. Yeah. Yeah. I love Which is, it. Let's be honest, an interesting thing. So
0: Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right, well, I'm going to have to read that, I guess. Oh,
3: you <laughs> will. We
1: all do, yeah. yeah. You're going to have
0: to. Yes. I will die on this hill. I have to find. I have to figure out a way That's unnecessary. to get everybody some graphic novels for our awards because I was going through mine and there were a lot of good graphic novels this year, like too many. I made a list of seven and I don't know how to pare it down to five. All right. I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for myself. Um, yep. All right. So I have one book for you this week. I, too, have been extraordinarily busy and tired so tired uh murder falcon number one you knew it was coming uh murder falcon is about a dude named jake who uh he's like a dave mustaine kind of rocker right he's in this band called bruticus and one day he just stopped playing something happened Uh, tragedy struck in his life, and he decided to put the guitar down for good, man. He's not going to do it anymore. Until a giant insect, very menacing-looking thing, storms his apartment and is about to eat him when he bumps into a guitar and picks it up. Lightning crashes, and Murder Falcon arrives. Murder Falcon is this built-like-a-brick-shithouse... With cargo pants and giant pockets with a mech arm and a red bandana over his face. And he is just the business. And so the only way that he can fight and the only way that he can defeat the evil that's coming to mess up the planet, Jake has to play. And Jake has to play like he's never played before because only the power of rock and roll can power the murder falcon it's amazing. <laughs> okay. Like every now and again, a book will come out that I'm like, I'm the only person on the podcast that's going to love this thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those books where I opened it up and I was like, everything about, I love everything about this. The artwork is absolutely spectacular. Um, reminds me a little bit of Jeff Shaw that we mentioned earlier from, uh, God country fame mm. as well as other books. Um, Lots of motion, lots of action, Um, giant kaiju bugs, wormholes to other dimensions that have, like, giant eyeballs and all kinds of weird skin diseases on them and stuff like that. They're rocking out in the van. There's a huge alien sitting in the middle of the city. We have no idea what that's like. It's just, it's insane. It's like, it's like if Jack Black... Got his hands on a bottle of peroxide, and then decided to make a comic like
2: book. Oh. No, no, he, he
0: dyed his hair.
2: Okay. Looks like something I'd expect to see in the middle of a Mad Magazine. Oh, but it's like it's like if
0: you're if you're at all into heavy metal, or you just love the concept of like the hard rocker. Like he's played every shows. Everybody in town loves him and wants him to play again. Like the the woman that serves his coffee. At the coffee shop is like, I'm I'm still listening to your demos, man. I'm still doing this. And she's got like, all these tattoos. She's awesome. Um, but he doesn't, he can't play anymore because he's got like emotional hangups and stuff. And then the murder falcon arrives and there's giant bugs, and it's just it's a Steve book. It is it is through
1: and through a Steve book. Quick, who'd we're in a fight? Angel, cat, bird, or murder falcon?
3: Murder um, Falcon. <laughs> Angel uh, Catburn would tell a much more pulpier story, but Murder Falcon is jacked. Okay. <laughs>
0: uh, before I forget, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, and uh, a creator, artist, and writer and letterer, Mike Spicer, colorist, and Russ Wooten on letters. This is the uh, same dude who did uh, Extremity from uh, Image. Ah. That's a 12-issue series uh, from him. So, yeah um if you liked extremity you will most likely enjoy murder falcon i have no idea how long it is but i will buy every issue of it Uh if only to every now and again say murder falcon on the podcast super dinosaur (laughs) super dinosaur um and it's also a really good book i had a lot of fun with it all right so i talked about murder falcon for five minutes
1: um I go just ahead. To, no time. Don't worry about
0: it. I want to do some. Uh, I want to do a quick mention, because uh, I can only give general thoughts. But uh, the embargo is up on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina uh, on Netflix, so I can finally talk about it for just a little bit. Um, I will not go into great detail. Do not worry. Uh, so I've seen the first eight episodes of the of the ten episode series, and um, I just want to tell anybody that's looking forward to it that you have a lot to look forward to. It's very good. It is very different. It is very different. It has pangs of, uh, like American horror story,
3: a little bit. Time's
0: (laughs) up. Show's (laughs) over. Bye. Um, the atmosphere of the show, like the set designs are fantastic. The house, the, the Spellman manor that, uh, Sabrina and her aunts, uh, live in and everything is awesome the the new take on salem and how he kind of functions and stuff like that is is really really neat um and the the show does a really good job of giving you lots of smaller stories inside of the bigger story um i mentioned american horror, it's basically american horror story meets harry potter uh if you will Sabrina ends up going to this school. There are a whole bunch of badass witches. There's hierarchy and politics and court sessions and all kinds of crazy stuff. A um, couple of like one and done episodes are done in two episodes, kind of things um, that fit really naturally into the the larger story. Um, a lot of the people that are part of the show, as far as acting, give really uh, solid performances and I enjoy them as these characters that I've known for quite some time, both in the comics and otherwise. The opening sequence of the show, I'm not going to spell it for you, but fans of the comic will be pleased. It is one of the coolest intros that I've seen for a Netflix show or any show yet, so look forward to that. Um, If I had to go negative about it on maybe one thing, um, I think that some of the support characters could have been a little bit more interesting and a little bit more fun um sabrina kind of runs with a crew she's got harvey uh who i find to be a little inconsistent he's uh i've got issues but i can't really talk about them until the show's actually out and um there's just there's a couple of things where i i i think the show is trying to it's trying to say something and it and it some of it just struck me as lame and a and a and a Kind of a half-ass attempt to dip their toe into a more um, like political and or timely pool, and it it just it was there for for a minute, and then they they never returned to it, and it didn't amount to anything, and it was just it almost felt like they did it just to be like, hey, we're gonna do this too, Um, you'll see. It has to do with her friends, which, again, I think is is the weakest uh, aspect of the show. But uh, I haven't seen the last two episodes yet, so who knows? There's a lot of stuff going on uh, with all of them now. Uh, and yeah, if you're looking forward to the show, definitely, definitely check it out. There is a lot to have fun with, uh, with the chilling adventures of Serena. So there you go.
1: Um, you had something else on your list though didn't you I do I mean we can yeah we can move well, into. We, inter- we interrupted you so you know
0: no we can um, we can move into open discussion and we'll just make this part open discussion
1: um, Th- Then I'll throw this out how come there are more episodes of the chilling adventures of Sabrina than issues of the comic <laughs> <'Cause laughs> it's Render already O'Reilly been picked O'Reilly up Sincasa. for a second season yeah that's ridiculous so though. there's technically 20 episodes like yeah.
0: in the works or ready to go
1: and I saw. I went to the Archie panel, and they were lovely about it. They went, "Oh, uh, Roberto is just so busy trying to oversee Riverdale and the other shows and all the other books." And mm. it's like, yeah. We were. So someone's asking, "Where are we going to see more?" Well, now that the show's a hit, maybe there'll be more issues. Oh, thanks. There's
0: a there's uh. a lot of the comic in the show. It's very dark. Like it's dark. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's not the. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart, you know, it's daytime and it's bright colors and you know, oh the cat's a puppet and it's adorable. Like this is this is like what's Satanism. Kind of, well it's got and, Madame Death in
1: it, right? I mean she's in the solicits I saw this show yeah. her picture. So the woman
0: yeah. that plays um Missy from Doctor Who. I cannot remember her name, but she plays kind of the Snape like character. In this, and she is just spectacular in cool. this role. She's fantastic. Um, Miranda Otto is also uh, great. It, the, the cast does a really good job. Kieran uh, Shipka, she, she makes a very good, very different uh, Sabrina. There are times when her performance feels a little, not wooden, but maybe a little forced- um, but she's definitely finding her way as the as the episodes go on. I think she needed to find the character a little bit, but overall, uh, really solid performances from the uh, from the cast, except for Harvey. That dude's weird. Um, <laughs> he's Harvey. Yeah, he's fine. Like he's he's everybody. Eventually, in the group of friends, they eventually have stuff going on with them individually that is interesting and and very cool. Like the eighth episode left off with a huge cliffhanger, like a super cliffhanger. And so like I have no idea what goes on beyond that, but like the minute that those come up for me, we're going to knock out the other two and see how it all ends. Um but speaking of uh horror related Netflix shows, I just want to talk really quick and I might actually go around the room before I give my my opinion. Um but I wanted to mention the haunting of Hill House which uh, came out on netflix this past friday the whole season from uh, mike flanagan and um melissa you watched a little bit of it right
2: yeah i think like three or four episodes in
0: okay how are you liking it so far
2: i love it i think it's fabulous um i love that um i'd say i'd say it's a slow burn you know, I have a friend of mine who's been watching it as well, and she had commented that she, after the first episode, she felt it was a little too slow. Um, but I actually really like that about it. It's very much a classic ghost story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that getting the tension right is super important in a good ghost story, yes. um, which this one does. And I think once you get a couple uh episodes into it it's it's what it's doing is it's building a lot of emotional attachment to these characters which is something that I haven't seen in a, in a in a horror show in a very long time you know I mm-hmm. think probably since like Hannibal was the last time that I've seen a good horror show that really like made you feel things for characters until season 3 came along but yes <laughs> um but, you know, yeah, I think they're they're building... I think they're doing a great job. They're working, obviously working really hard to get us to care about this family and to understand the kind of, like, emotional tumult that's happening to this family, even without the ghosts involved. Like, you could take the ghosts out of this story, and it's still going to be a really traumatic story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really cool.
0: Awesome. Uh, Joey, you tried uh, giving a shot, right?
3: Yeah, yesterday... Um... I, I was doing a bunch of other things yesterday too but I was like oh everyone's been talking about house uh, the haunting of H- Hill House and I, I want to just give it a shot and I, I started it opening scenes great and they hit the the like opening credits and I was like you know this is a Netflix original series because this opening credits is exactly the same as every other opening credits. Yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I made the same comment. Yeah, I was it's
2: like, not just Netflix, though. It's it's also on uh, AMC. Oh, yeah. And Westworld has yeah. the same ones, too. But like, yeah. I was like,
3: oh, man, what era are we living in? It's like this like really <laughs> dramatic, like, oh, it's going to be like this you know, minimalist... Music. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, I agree with the slow burn thing, you know, like, and it comes out of the credits and it's like, here's this great actress doing this monologue, you know? And I knew immediately that I was like, oh, this is going to take a while. Um, so I, I unfortunately did have to turn it off just because I, I didn't have the time to watch it. Um, but from what I saw, and I, I, I was into it. I agree with you. I think it's, it's all about... Tension. It's based on a Shirley Jackson novel too, and I think that's one of the, um, you know, acclaimed features of that novel, right? Which is that it's all about terror rather than horror, right? Like in yeah. the yeah. distinction there, and and the way that Jackson built that in. I think the show is trying to do that too. Um, we opted to instead watch like horror movies instead. Like yesterday we watched Halloween and I had never seen Halloween before. Like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So like, you know, we've opted instead to kind of go through and do kind of like classic horror films. Um, instead, just because I feel like you have to really dedicate your time to like some of these Netflix originals. And I had a feeling that, that Mm -hmm. haunting on Hill house had, had that same feel to it just from the first, you know, half of the first episode.
0: Okay. Speaking of dedicating time, uh, oh. I dedicated a lot of my time to The Haunting of Hill House <laughs> over the past two nights, uh, which is very much responsible for why I'm so tired today. Uh, but Bronwyn and I burned through it. We, we did it in two settings and went from beginning to end. Um, and I wanted to go last because I'm going to rave about it for just a second. I loved this show. I loved everything about it, everything about it. If you put like all the things that Steve loves about horror specifically, the haunted house genre, which is like subgenre, which is my favorite, um, there's so much to love about this. It's like six feet under, but done as a horror series. And it's spectacular. Some of the performances later in the season are are just amazing. There's one episode, the sixth episode called Two Storms. It's taken into it's like it's, it's like an hour and something, and it's done over the course of five shots. So it's long shot. And like thinking of all the planning all the, the set design movement, all the, the rehearsal and all the stuff that had to go into getting these long ass emotional, just like gut wrenching things going on and, and, and fights happening and ghosts haunting. It's just, it is absolutely some of the coolest television I've ever seen that episode specifically. Um, so if you're giving the show a chance, at least get that far. Um, But I mean, overall, what you were both saying, it very much is I was watching a like a behind the scenes thing with Mike Flanagan, and he was talking about how a lot of horror movies these days, they're they're in it for the scares and they like to make the audience jump and stuff like that. And that was not his plan for this. He kind of wanted to go back and create the tension that you were talking about and create the atmosphere and the mood and kind of mess with you a little bit i don't know if either of you know this um maybe you do but in every episode with the exception of the second one of the sixth one uh that i talked about earlier there are ghosts hidden throughout the house
3: oh i noticed in the friggin' 50 minutes i watched i was petrified
0: dude i
2: didn't notice that but i was actually looking for them but not seeing them
0: you will you will you you'll see them and then you won't see them even though you're looking directly at them. I looked at an article uh, on Screen Rant or something earlier today cuz I didn't want to spoil myself until we saw it all and I was looking. I was just scanning every under every chair in every shadow, it, behind every plant, like looking for things and I even, even I missed a bunch of them, and I, I just, I could not believe Will it. you send me that,
2: send me that article?
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Like, when you think about it, when you go back and you look at this article and you remember that scene, you're like, how the hell did I miss that? And it's right there, for, and I, it, it's wild. Absolutely wild. Um Love it, love it for that. Um I think it wraps up very beautifully. I won't talk about the end, but I've heard a lot of people kind of bow out toward the last two episodes. I think it wraps up beautifully. Really love what they did. Um, but I mean, overall, I just, I've not been, like, I've been watching, we watch a lot of stuff on Netflix, Bronwyn and I. We loved Maniac uh, that came out. Uh, it's a Joji Fukangala uh, did that with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone, it was awesome. And now this is out, and I would just, we devoured it. Like, we, we could not stop watching it. We were going to watch The Good Place to kind of balance things out, but man, I was looking everywhere in our house. She was fine. <laughs> Bronwyn was just like, "I'm just going to bed." I was looking. I, every time I turned a corner, I was expecting to see something. Every time I had to turn off a light and go up the stairs, and like I heard the echo of the stairs behind me, I'd get freaked out and had to run up. And like I never I'd never really get like that with horror movies, but this got to me. Um and it's not about the jump scares. It's not it's more no. about what your like your subconscious, like you're seeing it, but you don't see it. But it's leaving you with this eerie feeling because somewhere in the background of so much of the show, there's something that's there but it's not there. It's it's so brilliant the way well, there's, that it pulls us. There's so,
2: so many uh, great like suggestive scenes, like you know those moments where, and we're used to some of them in horror movies. Like you always know when somebody's standing near a window, right? And they're and they're panned a little too far to the right or the left, then you start like watching the window. That's kind of overused kind of technique. Right. But Mm -hmm. they do some really great ones in here where like they'll show you like the, the centering of the scene is just is off like it's just a little too far below so that you can see the black slit under the bed. A mm-hmm. little too much, like more than you can see the upper part of the room, and it's very suggestive. Like you should be looking down there. What's down there, you know? And at yeah. the same time, there's weird shit going on above that, but you your eyes are constantly drawn to these weird dark corners.
0: Yeah, the way um, the way it's shot is so smart.
2: Yeah, it is. It's well, and that's something that I wanted to say too that I forgot is I think this is a very smart show, which is, you know, I don't know, like I, I watch a lot of horror stuff. I don't believe in ghosts for one second, but for some reason, ghost movies are the ones that I can't sleep after I watch. Like mm-hmm. they get stuck in my head. I just sit and watch. I, I sat and played Assassin's Creed last night for a while after watching this because <laughs> I had to like wash it out of my head before I could go to bed.
0: You need um, to message me after you watch two storms, the sixth episode. I want to hear your opinion on that.
2: I think, um, I don't think this is a, a spoiler, but like early in the show, there's a moment with the family kind of racing away from the house um in terror and that was a really powerful scene to me it reminded me of it reminded me a lot of the poltergeist of the original poltergeist and like
4: mm-hmm.
2: the feelings that i had the first time i saw that movie you know this like this not just family and trauma but this like terror of every mo- every member of that family had their own terror happening at the same time yes and you know and just that and like the the watching the the house kind of like roll away into the background and looking in every single window waiting for what's gonna happen you know Um, it's really, really cool. And I will say that in the first episode, it was a little hard to keep up with all the time jumping. This show time jumps like nothing I've ever seen. It's like, you know, it's the past and then it's the future and then it's halfway in between and it's like jumping all over the place. Um, but once you get the hang of like who the characters are and what they look like in every different Mm -hmm. place that they're showing you. You know, but that's that's a little tricky, I think, in the first I had a
0: lot of trouble with that. I had a lot of trouble with that in the first couple of episodes. I constantly had to ask Bronwyn who people were.
2: Yeah, I was recounting. I'm like, wait, how many kids are in this family again? Are there three kids, two? I
0: Right. And then you find out that there's two there's two older daughters and I'm like, What's happening right now?
2: Well that I think the second I think the second episode they didn't really they didn't I don't remember ever seeing this this the third daughter as a young version of her in the first episode at all
0: no like, no you don't you don't like she the doesn't next door, door neighbor right i'm
2: like who's this lady next door it's like is she a family member i don't know and then all of a sudden in the second episode they're like yeah hey there's another kid in the house I'm like oh, okay <laughs> so that's and and the little boy in this family um Luke. What is his name? Luke. Oh my God. He reminds me so much of Max. It's hard. Aww. It's hard not to like watch this and think of Max is this little like nerdy kid with his big glasses on. And he's always kind of sitting and talking to himself and scribbling weird pictures. I'm like, Oh my God, that's like my kid. <laughs> so there's one particular scene we just saw last night that was really terrifying for me to watch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, the time jumps are going to happen pretty much throughout, but you do you do catch a rhythm with them after a while uh the last thing that i'll say is um it's all about the the tension and the dread with this one like i can't speak to how everybody's going to react to it but i only i only jumped twice but my god i i leapt like there are two moments throughout the series i will not tell you what they were you know you'll know them when you come across them
2: oh my god I could little hard read. to sleep on your side after you watched the show too. I had
0: to pause it because <laughs> I needed to like calm down and catch my breath, and then we then we rewound it and we watched it again because it was just so awesome. Um. All right.
1: That's I have enough. I have questions. Yes. As someone who read the book, granted it was many many years ago. We read it in school back, so you know how long ago that was. I've been out of school since Nixon was president. Um. <laughs> And as a huge fan of the movie, is it do we get to those people? Eleanor and Theodora and that whole crew and the doctor investigating the haunted house and such? Or where where are we at here? Because this this does not sound familiar to me at all from either Robert Wise's nineteen sixty three The Haunting or the Book?
0: Um, I mean I believe it's very much an inspired by. I don't think okay. that it's trying to um replicate the book per se i think by introducing all of the the new characters i don't know how you tell that that specific story it's very um like everybody's inter interconnected like they're a family right like uh melissa and i were talking before about how it was difficult to, to tell who was who um a lot of them kind of look the same for a little while but um i don't know i think it's a i think it's a different animal. With the idea, like, they use the line, um, some houses are born bad. No, that's from the book. Yeah. And so they, they do uh, touch on that a little bit. But as somebody who's not read the book, but wants to, after watching the show, I can't really say that. Actually, that question might be better
1: suited for Bronwyn. Okay. Who is not here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've never read the book or seen the the original movie, so.
1: The original the Haunting. It was just called The Haunting in 1963 and Avoid the Terrible Remake. It, you talked about slow burn. Nothing really happens except it is this house and it's a psychic researcher who brings these people together to investigate what's a house that's been born bad. And you see some of the history of it, but it's doors closed and there are cold spots and it's mm-hmm. old, old black and white sort of thing. And at one point, I I don't wanna give one of the great scares in movie history away, but there there is a moment where there are two people in a room and someone someone some thing wants in the door. Yeah. Yes.
2: I believe we've seen that already. Okay. Yes. There
0: is a Bob. I this I think you would really enjoy this a lot.
2: I mean this is essentially what they're doing is they're sort of um they're demonstrating both the 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 things that went on in the house and also kind of like giving you a glimpse at how those things in the house have affected this entire family later in life and kind of what happens to them when they're forced to sort of revisit. the mm-hmm. so, so um,
1: new family in the house, perhaps the family the
2: family what... moves into
0: Hill House as their their house flippers. They basically they yeah. they buy they buy the property. Yeah. they go in and they do the repairs and then they sell it for a bunch of money so what they're doing is they're coming in and they brought their children and they're going to live in the house as they fix it up over the summer and then once it's fixed up they're going to they're going to flip it and then they're going to move on with their lives
1: yeah that's a totally new story yeah that's good yeah, yeah and
0: just yeah. the house is is alive like there there are there are things in the house that that it's haunted it's really 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 haunted um it's it's fantastic i i want to watch it again like i immediately want to watch it again especially i'll send you that link melissa to
4: yeah but
0: don't it's it's really good that it's actually split up by episode count so you don't have to spoil yourself with stuff that you haven't seen already but man i opened that up and i was like how did i not see that there was one last night
2: I I had a feeling when I was watching it that this was going to be that there were going to be a lot of things because the scenes are so the the detailing in the house is so is so like layered. And, you know, there's so much happening just aesthetically in this house that I've been looking in the corners and watching for things. And I've been surprised that I haven't seen anything hidden yet. (laughs) So I really want to see that.
0: It's crazy. You could be looking directly at it and you still won't see it. There was one last night that I cannot I cannot wrap my brain around the fact that I didn't see it.
2: (laughs) <laughs> and I
0: looked at that article and I was like, no, no. And I totally missed it. It's Amazing. very,
2: um, it, it's very, you know, I think it, it reminds me a little bit of like, um, you remember the film, The Others with Nicole Kidman? Oh, yeah. Um, it really gets, it really gets that kind of like that stillness that that yes. is that makes a ghost story the right kind of ghost story. You know, it gets that vibe really well.
0: Oh, it's a good movie. I should watch that this month.
2: That's a great movie.
1: If you're gonna do a double feature, do the original Haunting too. While you're at it, Mm. it'll be be a nice double feature with the others. You ever see The Orphanage,
2: Melissa? Of course. (laughs) Produced by Del Toro. I don't. I don't think there's anything that I haven't seen from him. To be honest, that's a good. (laughs) That's a good movie. That's a really good movie. Yeah. Alrighty. Um. Oh boy. Poor kitties. You know when kitties show up in a haunted house, they're not going to fare well. No. Animals never do, right? Any ha- any haunted house, like animals, just need to stay away because they never make it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All righty, um, I'm going to mix things up a little bit in this uh, this little list here. I just wanted to say I don't want to talk about it in super detail, um, but Bob has been speaking on Paper Girls for the last couple of months while uh, I've been sleeping on catching up with my, my issues, and I caught up the other night. And whoa, yeah, <laughs> whoa, that that series, that series is so good, and so every issue. The how does he, how does Brian K. Vaughn create those cliffhangers? Like how, he he must know exactly where to stop the boat before wow. asking you to get back online for another month before you can ride again, because it's so the pacing of this story is just so wild and so good and i cannot believe that even at the end of this it doesn't feel like the end you know what i mean like there's a whole there's got to be at least a whole another arc and maybe even another one after that i
1: have no idea it, it is both closed and open-ended at the same time it seems as if each Oh, we, we shut this down, but then something else springs out of it. As you, we—I we, don't want to spoil anything for people playing the trade game, but you get revelations about, oh, that's who that character is, and that's what he's been doing all this time. Holy crap! Holy mm-hmm. crap! And then you get the, the interpersonal stuff between the girls and their histories, and you get a couple of shocking deaths and new hookups and all sorts of things. It is just an amazing piece of work with. It was a great premise that you say, oh, this is, this will be fun. It's like, no, this is so deep and so involved. And you, you, if you're reading it, whether as you did in a binge or I'm doing it one at a time,
4: mm-hmm.
1: so involved with these characters. you're yes. So now part of my reading that I, I and he does give enough time to everyone to each issue, which is hard when there are four main characters, plus the sidebar people. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a great book, and Cliff Chang's art—enough can't be said about what goes on with that.
0: Yeah, the fact that it's been them the the, the whole time has also been uh, really fun, kind of like the uh, the Fiona Staples
4: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, BKV pairing. Uh, yeah, just just incredible. Catching up with it was so much fun, and honestly, I have no idea. And I say this at the end of every arc, I have no idea how the hell they're going to get out of the situation that they're in
1: mm-hmm. no, by this the end is a of bit,
0: this. Was a big one.
1: Yeah. yeah. This was a big one. I, here's the I thing where, yeah, you know, how do you, like you say, he's got to have a giant white board like Hickman.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't wait to find out that I'm going to have
1: to go uh, monthly with it again because I just, I need to know. Here's the thing. What's Brian K. Vaughn doing? That book doesn't come back until the end of March. And Saga's um, not coming back till next August or whatever it is. He's
3: just living the dream, man. Just live, him live the dream. I'll,
0: uh, I'll throw him a text. I'll find out.
1: Write some books.
0: All right, Joey. Yeah. Would you like to uh, tell us a little something, something about uh, My Little Pony? My Little Pony, Nightmare Nights number
3: one. By Whitley! (laughs) Whitley! Uh, Friend of the pod, Whitley, took over My Little Pony for Nightmare Nights number one with Tony Fleeks, Heather Breckel, and Neil Uyatake, our My Little Pony regulars there. Um, All right, so this one was a trip and I'm not entirely sure I can pin down exactly what was going on <laughs> simply because we're dealing with alternate mirror dimensions and that was not what I was expecting when I sat down to read my little pony this week right it was I, I was like what they're talking about like reaching into a mirror and falling through and I was like holy shit this is crazy anyway uh I know we got princess luna She enters a mirror dimension. I think she sees her sister Celestia being kidnapped by a terrifying dragon-looking pony. But it's not actually her sister. It's an alternate sister. But she's going to save her anyway because that's what hero ponies do. I think that's what happened. She so she goes into the dimension, which ends up being a dimension only for villains, but Princess Luna has some darkness inside of her, so she's able to kind of pass through. Um this was an absolutely insane book that went places I was not expecting. It still had that fun, dynamic, um just energetic storytelling to it, um that I might expect from all my My Little Pony stuff um nightmare nights just time for halloween leave it to whitley for just giving me something i was not expecting this yeah. week uh from my from my ponies book um but
0: i had fun it was cool are you now or have you ever been a villain oh yes i am very malicious I lack empathy for my fellow pony. (laughs) I once tied a pony's horseshoes together. (laughs) Down the chute. (laughs) Amazing. Luna going off about her past. I defeated my sister, the sun, and plunged Equestria into darkness. (laughs) I am Nightmare Moon. Like, what? (laughs) So cool. So he said, didn't he tell us this is going to end up being some kind of like My Little Pony suicide squad?
3: i I got that sense at the end of the book she's like i put a team together and i was like here we go my god is luna amanda waller or is she rick flag luna's rick flag now luna's harley quinn (laughs) luna's (laughs) luna's killer croc amazing i really cool uh really cool new villain too Oh, yeah, dude. I was like, she takes off the mask. I was like, unexpected. Everything about this book was unexpected. Dragon shows up. I was like, what?
0: Princess <laughs> what Eris. going to
3: have to read this. This
0: world's like... Lord of Chaos. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I Yeah, I really enjoyed it. super good. Super duper good. Good job, Whitley. Whitley. And the, team. Um, and the backup, too. The little pony's backup was also oh, I didn't read a backup. lot of fun. Um, all right, so um, we do have one more book on this list, but maybe we'll double around to it. Um, we have a, a listener question that while we're talking about ponies, we might as well make our way on over to this. So Bronwyn wanted to ask uh, asked us to design each other My Little Ponies and their cutie marks. So we all. Uh, Logged onto the My Little Pony creator that Joey found. Yep. And for about a good 10 minutes, maybe yeah. even 15 minutes before this podcast got recorded, we had like a My Little Pony rave party while uh, creating <laughs> these Avatar ponies. The music on that website is bumping. So good, especially when you have four people that are overtired listening to it. It was great. All right. Let's go around the room. Uh, does anybody mind if I start? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, all right. So, Joey, mm. I uh, would make you a, an orange pony oh. with, a, with a purple mane. Oh. And your cutie mark would be, and you probably know the proper names, but the comedy and tragedy uh, masks. masks. Yeah. Don't they have another name? No, no. Okay, so yeah, the comedy and tragedy masks would be your your cutie mark. What kind of haircut do I have? Uh, a little shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> give, give, you some, give you some glasses, make you look a little a little beatniky. Oh, okay. maybe a beret. He has a beret. Oh, nice. Uh, all right, all right. Put a beret on that.
3: All right.
0: All right. Um sorry I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't think of, of clothing options for everyone. Uh Bob, you would be a yellow pony with a green mane and your cutie mark would be a Cthulhu monster.
1: Sure, I love it.
0: The squiddy <laughs> squiddy face. Uh Melissa, yes. your pony would be a bitch planet orange <laughs> with a brown mane. And your cutie mark symbol would be the Vulcan sign. Oh.
2: Thanks. Oh, that's cool. You're
0: welcome. Uh Jessica would have a green uh base with a red mane, and of course her cutie mark would be some type of dragon. Nice. So I didn't think that dead horse would be <laughs> <mark>. Jessica's <laughs> oh. pony would be dead.
1: dead right. <laughs> yeah. to, hey, stop spoiling the jokes. <laughs>
3: Amazing! <laughs>
1: That's awful.
3: <laughs> All right. Wow, you wanted uh, to like detail on those.
0: I just no, nah, I don't know. That's Let's good. match match the symbols with some of your your personalities and or outside the pod activities. Uh, it was a fun. I don't know. It's a fun yeah, little thing.
1: Fun question. Nice.
0: It was a whole lot better than the nothing that we had before it. So there you Very go. True.
1: <laughs> um, Bob, did you come up with any? Sure. I, I, look, I've watched some pony episodes. I've read some pony books. So I'm not a brony, but I know some of this stuff. You're so a brony. Own it. I'm a brony. Okay, Joey. Yeah. I'm going to start with you. <laughs> okay. You, I, I'm sure I'm going out of, of, of pony canon to do this, but I, I don't care. It's my thing. Because you would be a Clydesdale, because you're definitely a show horse. Okay. So definitely a big guy with lots of white mane going on. Sort of a, you know, brownish, reddish kind of thing. And your cutie mark would be the Tony Award. Little Tony nice. Award. Little Antoinette Perry Award back in the back there. Um, we'll, we'll throw Jess in since you ruined my joke. Yes, her pony was going to be dead. <laughs> and be sort of a brown, you know, with, with uh, black socks and a black mane and a, maybe a little dachshund on the back. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, poor Jess's pony would be at least very sick, if not (laughs) dead. Broken leg.
2: (laughs) Yeah, at least that. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Melissa, I'm thinking an Appaloosa. Black with some white stuff going on and maybe moons and stars. And your, your key mark could be a witch's hat. What do you think?
2: Cool. I like it. Okay.
1: Steve? I'm hmm. gonna send you I'm gonna send you a picture. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hope it should, there you go. Um Steve? That is uh, Steve would be it's a, <laughs> yes. it's a horse called a a gypsy bonner, which oh, is a, yeah. it's an it's an Irish horse that has like feathered legs and a giant mane of white hair. Yeah, oh, that horse and, would be metal. And it even grows a beard. <laughs> ah. Oh mine did too. <laughs> And it would have a little headphone at the back. Yes. Oh,
0: how much for the surgery? Can I do this?
2: <laughs> oh, Bob comes up with actual breeds of horses. Yeah, <laughs> no, I awesome.
0: This is going to be this is going to be my new avatar. avatar oh, no. you're, you're, I'm replacing my Valeria with this horse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not, but I'm going to do something with it.
1: Yeah, I also uh, came up with one for myself because I'm just ridiculous. Go, go ahead. It would have to have a different name. I think he'd be, you know, like Harlan Raspberry. And his little his little cutie mark would be an old crab.
0: <laughs> Don't uh, sell yourself too short there, Bob. <laughs> I came what did I uh, yeah, I came up with a few uh for you before uh before I landed. That's but um part
1: you're very nice about it so that's good
0: <laughs> now what did i have i had a, i had a book at one point but i was like yeah
1: cthulhu is perfect
0: cthulhu yeah and i i can picture it in my head it, it looks a lot like the uh the little uh cthulhu thing oh no you have the fly that i drew
1: yes it's still it's actually i do have the fly that you drew that's in my kitchen but the cthulhu you drew on a christmas present to me on the wrapping paper is inter- oh. it's in a frame with all my lovecraft books
0: look at that that's awesome. You know I haven't drawn anything since I moved out here.
1: How sad is that? Yeah. That's draw moose or something. I know, I have
0: a very I have a very angry wife. I'm supposed to draw her a tattoo and I have not done it. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. All right.
2: Uh, kick your butt. uh what? <laughs> so she's gonna
0: kick your butt. She can she kick my butt. Let me tell you how much stronger Bronwyn is than I am. I- Real quick, we bought these. There's Ikea no question shelves. about it. I mean, we. we I know,
3: no, you like,
2: don't really need to tell the <laughs> <a> story. <laughs> I got
0: she effortlessly moved one of these shelving units that was still in the box next to our basement steps just with ease, just whoosh, like down the way so that we could walk easier through the hallway. And I went to go and do that with the other one. That thing didn't go anywhere, and I practically fell down Steve, the stairs. Steve, just, Steve, just, Steve,
1: Steve, Bronwyn could bench press you and yeah. do like twenty reps. Oh yeah, yeah I'm thinking she's, she's also a hockey player in, uh, yeah. in martial
0: arts. She was, uh, I think, a, either a black belt or a near black belt. Uh, growing up, she knows she knows how to d- uh, defend herself. Um, Bronwyn is a is a Swiss practice. Army knife of a person. <laughs> <laughs> she's very uh, she dips her dips her toe into a lot of pools um joey do you have
3: i do what do you have all right here we go steve it's funny that you said that i was orange because i made you orange hey you have a silver mane of hair with glitter and sparkles and an epic pony beard i love it that goes all the way down to the ground it's red (laughs) it's red yeah right and the thing on your butt is the <laughs> horns, man. The thing on your oh, horns? With stars. With stars around it. And music nice. notes. Nice. Awesome. up. Yeah. Melissa is a purple pony. Oh, purple. With the sickest neon blue glowing in the night hair.
2: Nice. Like maybe like a
3: forward mohawk with a rat tail coming off the back.
2: Okay, Joey wins the best hair <laughs> award. Yeah.
3: And you also have sunglasses on that shoot lasers out of them.
2: Oh my gosh. And your
3: cutie mark on your butt is a rainbow. Oh. <laughs> Bob is orange. He's kind of craggly. He's got the Fantastic Four logo on it, no Cragly. hair, kinda of furrowed. Oh wait, it's just the thing as a pony. That's what I that's what I drew here. Bob awesome. is the thing as a pony. That's what I did. Um, and, and Jess is a dead horse. amazing (laughs) those are mine can someone
2: explain to me the dead horse joke uh, yeah, Jessica always a... seems
3: to read comics with dead horses in it. I don't know how she picks them all, but but they really yeah. just are very uncomfortable for her. And Started just... with
1: that Batman <laughs> Catwoman issue when they're in the desert with the, they had to shoot a dead ho- a horse that was sick or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think
3: that was the start of it. Yeah, yeah. and then like every okay. like the next like four weeks, all of a sudden she was like, "I read this book. There was a dead horse in it. How did this happen? <laughs> it's like they were haunting her."
2: <laughs> all
3: right. Oh man. All
2: well, right. I don't really know how to do this because I haven't thought about My Little Ponies in a very, very long time, uh, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Uh, let's see, Joey. I have. He's gonna be. He's gonna have a le- like a baby blue colored body Aww, with thank you. blush pink hair that's really smooth and like trimmed short and neat, Ooh. like like a little gentleman's haircut. Ooh. Um, and I had a I had I called it a drama mask, but I picked the same little mask for his butt. Um Bob is a red pony mm. with long flowing white hair and a like old-fashioned like scroll papyrus, mark, papyrus mark on his butt. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like it. like it a lot. Uh Steve, you are a yellow pony with fluffy green hair. Okay. Notice I said fluffy, not frizzy. Thank you. <laughs> um... And your cutie mark is a little mini pony figure.
0: Aw, <laughs> awesome.
2: Uh, and Jessica, I have uh, an orange pony with yellow curly hair, and a little paw print mark on her
0: butt.
2: No, <laughs> little paws. <pause.
0: laughs> little toe beans.
2: Little beans. All right.
0: Excellent! They, see, that was fun. I want these action figures. Yeah, I kind of want those or whatever.
2: Yeah, I want This'll the be... haircut Joey made for me. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, we'll,
0: we'll commission somebody and it'll be the new uh, yeah. new Talking Comics podcast it's, artwork. Your
3: hair is yeah. so blue that even in the nighttime, people are like, "That's blue hair." Think about that.
0: That's intense.
2: <laughs> uh, I actually have neon blue hair color too. I could totally do it. Yeah.
0: Let's get Katie Cook or Agnes Garboska on the horn.
2: Yeah, and uh, oh, yeah. make yeah. this
0: happen. All right, doubling back around to our open discussion for one more book. We have On a Sunbeam from Tilly Walden of This One Summer, Spinning, and I love this part, Fame. Uh, big fan. And uh, On a Sunbeam is this gigantic tome of a book that is f- over 500, like 540-something pages. And uh, it goes like this. Two timelines, second chances, one love. A woman joins a crew to rebuild beautiful, broken structures throughout space and finds a new family. Two teen girls meet at boarding school and fall deeply in love, only to learn the pain of loss. Mm. So, in talking earlier about timelines and jumping around, uh, as does On a Sunbeam, where you find Mia going off to uh, work with a crew, kind of as a last-ditch effort to fit in somewhere after her schooling. And they go around to different parts of the galaxy, uh, old buildings, old uh, monuments and stuff, and they repair them. And then they move on to the next job, so on and so forth. And uh, Mia is coming uh, off of a past where she had a relationship in boarding school, and you come to find that her love was lost to her at one point uh in their time together and it's been years and then something links her to her past and she decides that she needs to seek this person out if only not to fall in love with them again but only to talk to them and she ends up uh roping her crew members into this journey and they go on a spacefaring adventure throughout the galaxy All in the name of love, (laughs) y'all. And uh, it's absolutely spectacular. It's very operatic uh, in in scope and and tone. Um, Really beautiful relationships happening. Everybody's involved in some way with another crew member. um, And so you get lots of uh, interpersonal drama happening. And what's really neat about the story, um, this is not a spoiler, but you come to find out that everybody is kind of interconnected in one way or another, almost like the hands of fate, where we're moving these people uh, together for we a, a common goal of sorts. Hmm. And um, it's a lot about uh, rite of passage and becoming a a better person, and finally making a family. Like they say, you don't get to choose your family, but you get to choose your friends. And um Mia comes to find very much that she is a part of the family. Um they love her just as much as anyone else who's been on the crew, uh, maybe even for years longer than she has. And that realization in that moment is a really, really sweet spot in the book and kind of plays throughout the several hundred pages of this epic story <laughs> from Tilly Walden. I keep mentioning the the page gap because I just I want people to be prepared to sit down. Like this is not like a, oh la di da, like you need to need to dedicate yourself, and then it will. It, the story will compel you to stay in it. I sat down and read this in one go, like yeah. it was that good. Um, I had Saturday all to myself, and I was like, I'm going to read on a sunbeam. And I picked it up, had my coffee, laid on the couch, and did not put it down until it was over. And felt like I was floating. I felt like I was in a Radiohead comic <laughs> <laughs> for a while, um, and I love. Uh, this is the last thing I'll say, Tilly Walden, um, through her own experiences, she she brings a lot of herself into her characters and into her stories, and specifically with these romances that she writes about, and it feels so it's so real, it's so genuine, it's mm-hmm. so honest, and it it they don't feel like characters, they feel like people, and it and it and it feels personal, and it has it has a lot to say. Without ever, like, putting it right underneath your your nose and being like, you know, do you get it? Like, it's all just naturally. The the warmth is there, mm. and I, I really, really, really appreciate that about her stories. And she just she really shines uh, with that with on a sunbeam.
3: hey that's a good that's a good line right there. Ah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, who else got to to check it out?
3: Um, I just read the first few pages. Um, Tilly Walden did The End of Summer, not This One Summer. That was the Tamakis did This <laughs> oh, One Summer. Oh, yeah. you um, are right. That's I'm cool. Mistake. Yeah, but um, the I've, I've only read the first maybe 50, 60 pages of it, and I totally agree with what you're saying. The way that, that she crafts these characters, the way that she crafts these relationships, it's just so real feeling. It feels natural. And it it's, it's not in the setting that I thought it was going to be it. You know, I opened this book, and it's like, a floating clock in space that people are riding and I'm like what am I <laughs> reading and um and you know once you kind of get past that initial like oh this is like this is like sci-fi fantasy romance all rolled up into a great coming of age book once you get into that like that book just grabs you. And I was reading it before we came on today and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. Um, and I'm ready to, like, you're right. Once like Once you're in it, you're in it for 520 pages or whatever it is, right? Because mm-hmm. it is just, it is compelling. You want to know. And it's so, it's so sparse in terms of like words on the page. She is such a, such a she's, she's such a, so good at the visual storytelling of it. You know, like those word bubbles only have a few words in it, but you get everything you need to get. And um yeah, I am really into it Honest on a sunbeam. I definitely look forward to finishing it.
0: Awesome. Melissa, you checked oh. it out too, right?
2: I started it this morning and I've managed somehow to get to chapter eleven so far. Whoa. Um I'm actually reading it online because it's a it's a free webcomic. Um and not, not on, uh, not on webtoons. I'm reading it on, um, on a sunbeam.com and, um, yeah, it's really cool. I, um, it's a very sweet story. I definitely, I started, like I said, I started this morning and I have been working all day and reading this in between my clients, <laughs> <laughs> um, during color processing times. Like I just keep kind of popping open my computer and reading more of it whenever I get the chance. Um, And I think that is because it's very compelling. And there's definitely moments in this when, like, I was a little bit unsure about what was happening or what I was seeing. You know, sometimes the art is really dark and kind of, I don't know, spacey, (laughs) for lack of a better explanation. Yeah, it gets Uh,
0: a little busy sometimes, for sure. Yeah,
2: things are kind of, like, floating around weird. And I can't really tell, like, if I'm looking at a building or if I'm looking at some kind of box of something. I don't, you know. So the, the art is sometimes um, a little confusing, but I don't know. I think that's kind of the point too. It's, it feels like it's intentionally leaving things open to interpretation a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And the vibe of the story is supposed to make you feel like things are a little, um, almost like, like a, makes me think of like, like Jenga pieces kind of coming apart. You Mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of like things like coming apart and then being put back together, even literally in the story. Um, so I feel like that might be an intentional artistic thing or maybe that's just me interpreting it really artistically. But I don't know. It's a beautiful story and I'm going to keep reading it because I'm definitely I'm like highly invested in the characters now. So I'm going awesome. to keep moving on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm really I'm really happy to hear that it's online, that everybody can go and check it out because we might have to talk about it later. All right.
2: Okay. Um, let's We'll talk go.
0: about it later. Talk about it later. Let's do a little bit of news. Iron Fist has been canceled.
3: <laughs> wow, you just dropped that. Pull off that band <laughs> <laughs> There's
0: no other way to do it.
2: I mean, uh, is it a hard band-aid? No. And well, well, I, it's
3: surprising. I will. Well, I will grant that.
0: Here's, here's my take. um I'm I'm upset about it. I'm upset about it because uh, it it it's. I liked what they did in the past, like in the last few episodes in particular of Iron Fist. They they went in a direction that I did not see coming and. I, the the thing that I said to myself leaving that that second season was like if they roll into season three, and they they continue this thread, and we're getting can we talk spoilers? Yeah, let's this? do it. The show got canceled, right? So they, <laughs> give, Colleen, right. they so give Colleen. So Colleen Colleen is the Iron Fist by the end the of Fist.
3: season two. Wow. Yeah, and not only that, Danny Rand now Iron Fist Liz. Goes off into wherever and finds Orson Randall's guns, and he's gonna find the Iron Fist that way. They're doing the last Iron okay. Fist story, right? Yeah. So, like Steve and I were talked about when they, when we were viewing the season, we were like, "This is freaking awesome, right? Like, let's go!" Yeah.
0: And so now we might not ever get to see that.
3: Yeah,
0: and it's it. I think that sucks. I'm <laughs> you know? upset about it. Like You're that show there? has had its issues. Oh, I've had I've had my issues with that show. I should say, um, but I was definitely down for a third season by the end of of season two. Yeah,
3: it is so. uh, it is shocking. I will definitely be pouring one out for Colleen as the twist yeah. and for the last part of the story. Um, I'm surprised about it because I can't remember the last time
0: Netflix canceled a show outright. Um I'm sure it's
3: happened but like
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely happened. Nothing of this,
3: nothing of this happens. kind of um kind of uh like Marvel, you know? Like that's the, one of their big draws. And for them to cancel and and you know, it's funny because one of the things we talked about when we reviewed the show was like how there was no there was no marketing push for Iron Fist. It was all like even when Iron Fist dropped the 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 stinger for Iron Fist was here's a teaser for Daredevil season three, you know? So it <laughs> yeah. like, It's like, they, they were clearly not into it from the get go. And, um, uh, you know, it's hard. Iron Fist season one was, it was a hot mess. And, uh, and, um, Finn Jones's Danny Rand was, was the bane of everyone's existence for a very long time. And, um, it really wasn't until the end of season two when they made some really bold storytelling choices, perhaps because they had a feeling, you know, and that, who knows what the future of the show is going to be that, you know, Mm -hmm. people actually got excited about the show a little bit and wanted to see it go. Uh, Um, now this doesn't mean that the characters are going away. They've kind of come out and said, Danny Rand might still show up. Who knows about Colleen and Misty? Like these things might get continued in other shows, but there's not going to be an iron fist season three. Um, which to me is
0: surprising and I will definitely be pouring one out. But, um, Hey. Yeah.
3: You make a mistake and look what happens, you know? <laughs> like
0: I want the uh the VH1 behind the Iron Fist for this one because I wonder are they going to bring it over to the Marvel streamer that's coming out oh. eventually? Yeah,
3: I don't or, know. Or
0: like I want I just I just wonder in in the the context of canceled, was it canceled or is there going to be like a chain, an exchange of hands I, I and think, maybe like poor wording? Just, it just, no, I think what
3: it means is that iron fist will not be a solo series on Netflix anymore. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. characters, which are still Netflix, Marvel TV properties with those actors may show up in those Marvel Netflix properties. Like Constantine does in the, you know, yeah. CW shows or whatever. Um, but, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, but like, I don't think that like basically Netflix is like we're not going to put money into thirteen more episodes or ten more episodes with for this show. Um, yeah, if you want if you want Finn Jones to come back for Luke Cage season three, fine. But we're not gonna we're not gonna film another series. And the thing about the Marvel streaming is these Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Iron Fist, Defenders. None of that is going over to the Marvel streaming. That's all staying with Netflix. Hmm. Because those are Netflix Marvel
0: TV properties. We got uh what is it? The Daredevil is coming out in like Next a matter week. of days. Yeah, yeah, I'm
3: excited for that. It's been getting rave reviews.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Alrighty. Um I don't know. I don't think anybody else has any thoughts for Iron Fist. Yeah. All right, well, pour one out. Roll did oh no. I wonder what's going to happen with the, uh, what are the Meachums? Look <laughs> are <They're> done. <laughs> the Meachums. Oh, yo, what if they brought, um, Typhoid Mary into Punisher? Well,
3: well yeah, totally. Typhoid Mary would, would be great in Punisher, great in Daredevil, you know, which is where That'd be cool. she belongs. <laughs>
0: yes. That'd be cool. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Daredevil season four is just going to be a dog pile and it's going to be all of them. Who knows? Well,
3: the crazy thing is in when when Matt Murdock, you know, uh, there's a lot happens when Bendis is writing Matt Murdock. Danny Rand fills in as Daredevil for a while. And I originally thought when what happens at the end of Defenders happens that they were going to do some stuff like that. I would have hated it, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but i thought they were going to do something like that but no i don't think that's what's happening i mean we'll find out on friday when daredevil drops but uh, you know it'd be so funny if like there's this is iconic panel from brew bakers kind of first or second issue on daredevil where like daredevil turns around in the rain and his fist starts glowing and it's like who's daredevil it's iron fist you know and it's ah. awesome Really cool, really, really cool run. I was that was Brew and Michael Lark's run on it, but like, yeah, like I, I love that story. But they're not gonna do that for Netflix.
0: How is next weekend Halloween already? There's like there's the, 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 the the party weekend oh, for Halloween. Yeah, you're not wrong. That's where did this year go? You know this has been so I saw a tweet, I retweeted it earlier. Black Panther. Somebody was like, Yeah, Black Panther came out this year. I remember that. Think of how (laughs) long this year has been. Oh God! All right. Uh, So that's that's a show. Let's talk about uh, what we're looking forward to on the shelves this New Comic Book Day. Uh, I went last week. I went first and ruined everything for everyone forever. So (laughs) I'm gonna let somebody else go. Uh, Joey, what are you picking up? Uh, Probably Sherry number one. uh,
3: Unstoppable Wasp number one. I'm sure everybody will be looking mm-hmm. at um, the Lumberjanes graphic novel uh, comes out this week um, by Lea Sturgis, Sturgis uh, which I heard about it at the New York Comic Con panel for, with Boombox, um, and they talk so highly of that book. I'll probably be checking that out too, um, and a couple other Boom books: Low Road West number two. I talked about the first issue a few months, a few weeks ago, and Black Badge number three, um, which is that. Boy Scout Boy Scouts Black Ops team that I was talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, like that book is really, really cool. I, I really like it. And I'll probably talk about that next week as well. Sweet. Um, how about
0: you, Melissa?
2: I've only got two things written down here right now, but uh Abbott Volume One
0: is oh, coming so out so and great. I
2: haven't I haven't read any Abbott yet. I've kind of been waiting yeah. for a trade on it. So You should be reading that.
1: <clears throat> <laughs>
2: well, I will be. <laughs> Um, and then I think I might check out Backstagers Halloween Intermission Number One. Hell yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I have on my list for now because I'm exhausted and I haven't <laughs> a lot of time today to do this.
1: Ah, uh, Bob, how about you? Yeah, definitely on the Wasp train. Gotta gotta get some Whitley Wasp. Uh, Life of Captain Whitley Marvel Number Wasp. Four. We've got Thor number six, where all sorts of weird stuff is going on over there. And Justice League Dark number four. All right.
0: I have got Batman number 57, Justice League number four, Coyotes number seven, Gideon Falls number seven, lots of sevens, Skyward number seven, Life of Captain Marvel number four, Runaways 14, Thor 6, Unstoppable Wasp number one, Venom Annual number one, and... My most, well, my second most anticipated uh, book of the week is coming from Image. It's called Exorcisters.
1: Number it's a one. great title. One of the great titles of all time.
0: Uh, Ian Boothby and Giselle uh, Lagras I believe, um, says, did you sign a deal with the devil? Has your fiance been dropped to hell? Oh, been dragged to hell. Uh, then Kate and Kate Harrow should be the first ones you call for timely soul retrieval at a reasonable rate. But why are these identical twins so different? Is there a darker secret? An all-new ongoing series, Eisner Award winner, um, so on and so forth. Anyway, um, the cover alone has me. I love the art uh, on this cover and it's it's the artist for the book, uh, Giselle, so I am so on board. This was one of the like image preview things that we got from way back when that, uh, that caught my eye. So definitely looking forward to Exorcistors, sisters. Number one. Um, okay. Does anybody have any closing statements? No. all right. Nope. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. We do not have any closing statements, Steve. We, we did it. I, that I appreciate that. (laughs) That signals to me that we're ready to wrap this up. (laughs) and I can read the thing and say that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are also on Twitter, at Talking Comics. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for news, reviews, and articles about comics, video games, TV shows, and much more. We have podcasts of every flavor, including Talking Games, Valiant, Adventure, and assembled, ladies of Valhalla Melissa remind okay. y'all everybody of your podcast.
2: Sirens of Scream
0: yeah <laughs> uh we had a production meeting the other day and lined up a whole bunch of cool stuff for you all so uh, from now until the end of the year is, is, is gonna be a lot of fun and even some stuff into next year we uh we're making some plans
1: so uh, for Bob, where can everybody find you? Bob Reier at TalkingComicBooks.com Email Joey At Joey Brugino Melissa
2: At Lissa Punch
0: Okay uh, <laughs> <I'm> Dead <laughs> underscore anchoress On the internets So for Bob
1: Bebel Fetzer, And Joey <laughs> Bye, Melissa Goodbye. (laughs) Wow. Be
0: excellent to each other (laughs) on somebody a comic book, and until next time on the Talking Comics podcast, to be continued!
3: Here we go, my little. Make my, make my little pony. Make my pony. Pony creator. Here we go.
0: Oh, you found the pony creator. I remember that.
3: Yo, this music is lit. Scroll do down mean? to start. Uh, dun, dun dun dun, my little pony. Dun dun dun, my little <laughs> pony. Somebody
0: has a lot more energy than I do tonight. Ooh,
3: can I turn the music off? It's fucking messing me up. (laughs) Music off. Okay, we're good. You want to start? Let's start.
0: (laughs) For main, not highlights.
3: I'm gonna send this to everybody actually right
1: now. The pony creator. Yeah. (sighs) Did that years ago. You have to get ready to catch it because it flies by before I can see it. (gasps) There it is. Ooh, ooh, what kind of hair do I want? Oh, I
3: want these front bangs. Yep, there it is. Straight banks, right there. And I think I, saw, I want it, it, purple is my favorite color.
1: Ooh, what about the shaggy hair though? Ooh, girl. Wait, am I? Oh,
2: what am I the hell the am call? I looking at?
1: I can't. I can't find it. Am I still on the call? <laughs> yeah, you are. Oh my God, how call. do I, oh, yeah, oh, I turn this
2: music off? Um, ah, this music is click on the, crazy. On the,
3: click on the three lines. I have lines. not clicked on it yet. Click on the three what? lines, and you'll see the volume thing in the top right corner.
2: Top Good right. lord.
1: top right corner i see our avatars okay no bob you need to
3: click on the thing that looks like a little um word bubble down in the left hand corner
2: oh so we're are we making our own my little ponies is that you don't have to
0: you don't don't know okay no you don't have to make anything on this website this is just something that joey's doing for fun you're creating right <laughs> ponies for your co-hosts so I mean
2: you're i'm into it
0: basically you're deciding um body color and then like main color like they're the the extra oh, hair that goes okay. down their heads and backs um and then the cutie mark which is um like an emblem or a symbol that represents each person um on like the back side
2: of the pony oh i'm all about oh, this i kind of only picked hair Color because I don't really know anything about My Little Ponies. I'm gonna go with the yeah,
0: but story. you know stuff about your co-hosts.
2: Yeah, but I don't. I don't Are know. we making it for Melissa? Well, uh, come on. A color body. pick a body color, I don't know.
0: <laughs> pick colors that you associate with your friends. Oh,
2: look! It says glasses. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wait, this is my favorite thing we've ever done on the show.
0: I can't even see. I can't even find. I fucking
1: hate Skype so much. How do I turn this music off? It's driving me crazy.
3: Click on the the three lines in the top left corner. You see
1: those? Yeah.
2: Click on that. And then
3: you should see the volume thing pop up. Oh,
2: my God. Everything in here is so sugary sweet. Oh, there we go. Fill in the blanks to find your name.
1: Pick a new pony.
2: Uh, the music is Are there any, like, dark ponies? Or are they all, like, sparkly sweet?
1: Oh, this music
0: is amazing.
3: I know, right? It's lit.
0: Did you see the movie? No,
3: I didn't. Oh, not. Joey, it's really good. I know.
1: I've heard incredible Yo, things I'm about so it. I'm so
0: digging this music right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
1: turn it off and make a pony. It's just not I'm working. enjoying it. Shut up! It's so fanciful. <laughs>
3: My pony's name is Grape Wishes. <laughs> I'm writing that
4: down.
0: Ooh, Sweet disco. This is my little pony creator. Oh, <laughs> All right, here's
3: my cutie mark. Great well, I'm going with... to go with the Thunderbolts.
2: Yeah.
0: No, I already picked your cutie mark. I Perfect.
2: The at the tables well, I don't want this moon. Wishes. That's
3: weird. Oh, my God. Ooh, what am Cake. Ice cream.
2: My pony's name name is chocolate glitter. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I could see it. Uh, Stop. Now I don't have my cutie mark yet. Ooh, you
0: can make him a little like. You better be creating cutie marks for other people for when we get to this question and not just dicking around on this website. I'm going
3: to be yellow because I'm Asian. Oh, no. (laughs) Share.